Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, man. It's Thursday. Welcome to the program. It is the Michael Dukes Show. And I got to tell you, oof, man, I don't know what's going on today, but it's a day already. Can you imagine? Ooh, baby. The good news is tomorrow is Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on issues of a two-way nature, and I'm looking forward to it. Tomorrow is another. Tomorrow's a day. Tomorrow is the final day for the weekend, and we get a chance to enjoy it. Uh, summer is rapidly vanishing, and um, I'm not depressed about it yet, but I'm thinking about getting there. I'm thinking I've been pondering whether or not I should get depressed about it because, oh, it's so nice when it was so nice and warm yesterday. All that sunshine and vitamin D uh, mowed the lawn part of yesterday, part, mowed, mowed the lawn, uh, part of the lawn yesterday, not part of yesterday. You know what I mean. I did some lawn mowing yesterday and it was, uh, uh, it was nice. It was nice to get a chance to get out there and all that green and just enjoy it. It's, uh, yeah, I know. What summer? Just hit last week, said Bill. That's the, that's the thing. You better get it all in. I was like, maybe I should just take the whole month of August off and enjoy, you know, the compressed summer. That's that's what you're looking forward to. Uh, yeah, basically, uh, basically loving it. Basically loving it. Finally getting a little bit of that heat. Compared to some of these other places, I mean, we were talking with J.D. Tuchelli yesterday and... Um, uh, you know, he was talking about how it, at least it is only getting into the 90s where he was at in Arizona. Uh, there are places across the U.S. where it's like 110. So while I don't I don't want to whine and complain too much, uh, you know, about not really having a summer uh, because, I mean, nobody needs that kind of heat. Um, it's, uh, it, you know, at least we're going to get a little bit here. In the month of August. All right, what's uh, what's on the agenda for today? Um, what are we going to be doing? Well, here in hour one, I got a bunch of headlines and stories to discuss, um, and I may be looking for some of your phone calls on some of this stuff. Uh, we're going to uh, uh, we're going to discuss and talk about the new marine highway system plan, which has just been introduced uh, and is being discussed. Apparently, it's going to be presented to the legislature here in August. Uh, legislators, I guess, not the legislature since it's not in session. Uh, but uh, they're going to talk about the new 20-year plan. We've also got the new Matsu Borough um, uh, School District contract, which we I want to get into a few of the details of that as well. Um, some news about uh, the Board of Regents and Tuckerman Babcock, the fight that's coming in... Um, the fight that's coming in the Anchorage over the mayoral race, which is going to be coming up in April. So 
I mean, we're just a handful of short months away from that, and it's already it's already shaping up to be a doozy. Um, that lawsuit against the state uh, for wrongful termination. Remember, it was the one hot mess Alaska gal, Libby Bacalar, and a couple doctors were fighting uh, back against the state, firing them because uh, they were saying it was a loyalty pledge, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll we'll see what um, we'll, we'll see what those stories bring and what uh, what comes out of that. Then in hour two, it's been a while, and I was just thinking about it yesterday because uh, Barbara called in and was talking about what's going on at the uh, Fairbanks North Star Borough Assembly tonight. Uh, Thursdays are their night, night to meet, and um, I thought, you know, it's been a while since we really talked about some in-depth issues uh, in the uh, in the interior. So I thought I would bring my friend Tammy Wilson on who is a former legislator and now current borough assemblywoman uh, on the Fairbanks North Star Borough Assembly. And I thought we'd get kind of an update for things that are happening in that area, some of the issues that we could be talking about or walking, uh, watching. Um, I, need to, I need to get a contact with somebody down in the, um, in the Kenai Peninsula Borough to do the same thing. So if any of you out there have contacts with uh, members of the uh, – Kenai Peninsula Borough Assembly that would be, you know, you think would be a good fit for the show to talk about uh, that kind of stuff. I'd love to, you know, send me a contact, put me in, if you know them or whatever, put in a good word for me. Maybe we can, maybe we can have a monthly update or something from the different boroughs just so that we have a little bit more information on boots on the ground, what's happening in the day to day. Because remember, as I've said before, the only change we can really affect is the change that's closest to us, right? Our our road service areas, the the planning and planning commissions, city councils, borough assemblies, those are the places that we can effectively make a difference. So I think we need to get a little bit more in tune with what's happening. And I just so happens that I can... Uh, um, it just so happens that I can uh, go ahead and uh, call Tammy and get her on board myself, but we need to we need to work on something like that. And uh, yeah, we could do the same thing with the folks in the Matsu as well, uh, Matsu Borough Assembly. I just don't know them. I don't know the names. I know some of the names and some of the players, but I don't know them well enough to just be able to call them up and say, "Hey, come on board." And t-. so I might anyway. I might need some help from you listeners to do uh, uh, to do that. Okay, um, yeah. 110 degrees, says Anthony. I believe the location you're referring to is hell. No, I mean, it was like in Phoenix. I think it was like 114 degrees or something in Phoenix. I mean, the, the heat has just been unbelievable uh, across, the, uh, across the southern half of the U.S. Definitely a little warmer than I am comfortable with. So definitely a... Definitely an interesting, uh, a different, interesting take. Um, I'm gonna go ahead. Well, I don't know if I should do this or not. Um, I was gonna go ahead and uh, fire up the phone lines, but I'm hesitant right now. Um, I again, I'm still GCI is still working on the uh, the phone circuit that I use for my phone number. Um, it came back up online, but it is still crackly like there's a thunderstorm going on right overhead um so the only way to get it 
crackle free is to dial the direct number. And uh, so I ha- I don't know if I don't know if I'm going to hold up. I may not I may not open the phone lines up yet because I got plenty of stuff to talk about here on my own. Um, but maybe you you know if you guys we'll, we'll see we'll see where we get at on this stuff before we uh, move too far forward here. Okay, where uh, where what are we diving into? What is the first? Where should we go with this, guys? I mean, I got so much stuff here. What should I talk about first? What is the most interesting to me? Um, well, I guess I will say this. Um, uh, I will give this news first because this is kind of short and sweet and to the point. Uh, Tuckerman Babcock, who was, uh, you know, has done a lot of things in the state, uh, was the former chair of the Alaska Republican Party. He was Mike Dunleavy's first chief of staff. Uh, he's done a lot of different things. He was appointed to the Board of Regents for the university back on May 31st. And... Um, he has now decided to resign. Um, he resigned saying he cannot, uh, he decided that he cannot spend t- the time required to fulfill the duties of a regent, that it was, uh, excuse me, that it was just too much. It was a, it was a time sink for him and that he would uh, not be able to fulfill those duties. He said, I simply find myself unable to devote the full time and attention to the board that you, my fellow regents and university, certainly deserve. Um, he, uh, this is, of course, after, remember, this was, Babcock was like, <laughs> Tuckerman, he was like the consolation prize because Mike uh, Dunleavy had tried to appoint uh, Bethany Markham to the board of regents. And uh, you remember there, there was all the pearl clutching and the hullabaloo about how dare she be part of the Alaska Policy Forum and then try to come on and be a Board of Regent. Um, so it's uh, it's interesting. Um, but we'll, we'll, see, we'll see where it goes from there. The board will still conduct business as usual with only 10 members, according to Jonathan Taylor, a spokesperson for the university. He added that the Board of Regents Chair Ralph Seekins and University President Pat Pitney had thanked Babcock for his service. And the governor's office gave no comment on Wednesday, and uh, but <clears throat> they did put out a release that said the governor would select a new appointee, and we would be informed on that. So that's first things first. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know how much time it takes to be. I don't. I don't even know what the actual duties of the region are, other than I know that they help to form policy at the university. I don't know. It does that mean. Weekly meetings, monthly meetings, I don't know what it means. But it, I am a little saddened to, t- to see somebody from the more conservative side of the fence get, uh, you know, to step out of a situation like that because it is so heavily weighted, it appears, in the other direction. And the hue and cry from people over the fact that Bethany Markham, who I think is a pretty decent human being, um, would have made a great regent, uh, but simply because it was almost like this political witch hunt, uh, because she's not like us, because she doesn't believe the things that we believe, somehow that would discount her value uh, of input on the board or whatever else. I think that's, I mean, I think it's unfortunate. Um, and now we've lost Tuckerman, so <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see who gets, uh, 
who gets pulled in there, but uh, we'll 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 have to see. We'll have to see where it goes from there. But a, a little bit, I'm a little bit disappointed. Now you know, and hey, I I I fully uh, support Tuckerman's. Uh, you know, basically saying I don't have the time to do it. I would probably feel the same way. There's probably a lot of things in my life that I would rather do rather than uh, <laughs> to work work on something like that. But uh, it does put us in a kind of a, a, a worse position in the long run. So, um, all right. What else are we going to talk about here uh, this morning? Oh, uh, well, we got to talk about the uh, we got to talk about the school and the school situations, not just the school situations, not just the contract, but the bus situation and everything else, because it was such a hot mess last year in all. I mean, all over the place, Anchorage School District, Matsu School District and more. We're going to give you some details on what's uh, coming out of that. There we go. Back on track. All right. We will continue. Hour one uh, uh, continues dead ahead. And then Tammy Wilson will be joining us for hour two for an update on what's happening up in the Fairbanks North Star Borough. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget, you can always come out and join us on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch or wherever. But Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show to be part of it in the chat room today. We'll be back right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Well, howdy, ho. I'm not, no, I didn't call you a ho. I did not mean that. Heidi ho there. That's what I meant. Got to finish the thought all the way through. Um, good morning. Good. Good morning. Um, Brian says it's humid this morning. It is a little sticky, isn't it? Just a little bit sticky. Uh, wreaking havoc on my hair. Look at mine. It's like all puffed up today. I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on. Um, Star Wars again today, says Terry. No, I wish. I would love to talk about space some more. Uh, I used to have a guy that came on the program. In fact, I was thinking about it yesterday. Rod Pyle, who is an author and um, writer. He worked at JPL. He worked at NASA. He worked uh, for the History Channel as a as a consultant. Uh, he used to come on the program quite frequently when we talk about the latest space news, and I, I always love that. Maybe I'll reach out to him again and see if he has time to do that again. Yeah. Um, let's see. 112. Um, 112 in Phoenix, says Harold. His kid was in Phoenix, and it was 112. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's insane. <laughs> it's insane. Um, 
All right. It was Mike's. Um, oh, Mike's Eatery and Homer. I thought he was still open. I thought he was, I thought I saw that he was still open when I was there in June. Hmm. I didn't know. Let's see. All right. He probably attended his 34th daily agenda of assigning pronouns in safe places and just snapped, said Anthony. Well, I had to laugh. I had this. I mean, I don't. I'm trying not to be. Trying not to be mean. I'm just trying to. When I talked about the. Um, where is the sustainability? How far back was it that we talked about the sustainability thing? Uh, food sustainability. Because there was a, um, was it back in May? Yeah, here it is. So here is, I mean, if you have to deal with the university and all the stuff that's going on, I just, so the food security thing was coming from the university and, you know, it was the food, food security task force and everything else. And this was... <laughs> This is on the introduction, at the bottom of the introduction. Um, <laughs> Our University of Alaska campuses reside on the unceded territories of the Dina people of the Lower Tanana River, Eklutna, Denina, Klingit, Central Yupik, and Inupiaq. However, the scope of this task force report pertains to all indigenous peoples of Alaska. We acknowledge that Alaska natives have been stewards of the land on which we work and reside since time immemorial, and, will grateful, and we're grateful for that stewardship. We recognize the series of unjust actions that attempted to remove indigenous peoples from their land, and we honor the sovereign relationship that exists between Alaska native peoples to their land, their language, their ancestors, and future generations. We aspire to work towards healing and liberation, recognizing our paths are intertwined in the complex histories of colonization of Alaska. We acknowledge that we arrived here through deep listening and in the spirit of reconciliation and will continue to do so as we work together towards a healthier world for future generations. And I just thought, wow. That's what I thought. When I read it, I was like, wow. That is the kind of stuff you would have to deal with in those situations. I know. The guys are giving me stars. All right. Hi, Star. Thank you for giving me the heads up. I can't always see it. I hate that. I hate it when I can't see it. Uh, thank you so much for the stars to everybody. i got to open this other window up so I can see everything at the same time. Here we go. Jumping back into it. The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay, welcome back. Big thank you to Rick, who gave out a bunch of stars. Uh, Star City. Giving out some stars here in the chat room. 
Um, all right, well, welcome, welcome back to the uh, program. Uh, thanks for coming in and joining us. We've, we're just talking about some of the reasons and speculating why maybe Tucker McBabcock pulled out of the uh, pulled out of the uh, Board of Regents. Anthony said he probably in, attended his 34th daily agenda on assigning pronouns and safe places and just snapped. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty funny. Uh, Tuckerman found, uh, Willie says, Tuckerman found he was a one-man band with zero chance of changing anything for the better. Same as Dave Donnelly on the Anchorage School Board, and that's unfortunate. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, this, you know, l- let's talk for just a second about that. I mean, one person can make a difference. But I will tell you that, you know, one person all by themselves can only, I feel like can only make a difference for so long. This is why number one on the charter of changes is changing the players. Not that you can choose out the board of regents, but I mean, it's an example of what we're talking about. You know, I'm assuming dipping yourself in that into the pool is very frustrating. Well, in fact, I don't even have to guess. I know because when I served on the borough assembly in Fairbanks, uh, I was essentially one. I was essentially one of two um, uh, assembly members who were conservative. The rest of it was pretty much either moderately liberal to full bore to full bore, you know, progressive uh, on the assembly. So I know what it's like to be the lone man standing kind of thing, you know, in the in the the last great act of defiance. You know, the mouse giving the finger to the eagle kind of thing. I know what that's like. Uh, So, yes, it is frustrating. Um, I've often likened it to, uh, you know, I've often likened the whole idea of trying to change, to make change um, in in policy or in, you know, change the heading or the or, or the way that the state or some other institution is going to the whole idea of, you know, having a small stream and you got a rock. You know, you throw a rock in the stream and, uh, you know, maybe the stream's not very deep and that first rock hits and, you know, boom, it's in the middle of the stream. The water is there. It flows around it. You're really not making much change, but at least you're standing tall. Of course, that is until the water wears over the top of you and you disappear back under the water, you know. But if you can change, if you can put three or four or five rocks in there in a line where they stand strong together, all of a sudden you have a chance of diverting part of the stream. And now you can kind of change. the. It's a subtle change. It's not any kind of sea change, but it's a subtle change. But it can be done. That's the that's the beauty of it. But it requires you know, more than one player in there making it happen. And and maybe he's right. Maybe that's what uh, he just found that as a one-man band, he had zero chance of changing anything. And nobody relishes the... No, nobody, nobody is jealous of Sisyphus, okay? Nobody is jealous of Sisyphus, who was the one that was cursed by the Greek gods to roll the boulder up the hill... Uh, every day, and only to have it roll back down again and have to start all over again. That was the Sisyphean task, right? Was to roll the boulder up the hill and in a never-ending cycle of pain, basically. And which is exactly what it felt like in many ways to be on the borough assembly. There was there were there were a few high spots, but for my in my experience, it was mostly ow. 
right? Ow. Uh, to have to deal with that. Now, I, I did it, and I was proud of it, and I stood strong, but it sure would be nice to be able to actually, instead of just try and hold back the tide, it sure would be nice to be able to kind of redirect it. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. That would be, uh, um, <laughs> that would be a good thing. But that's the only reason, uh, you know, I'm, and, I'm, and again, I'm sure that, uh, you know, when I reach retirement age, I would rather spend time with my family than to, uh, I, I feel like I would have made all the difference in the world at some point. I'm going to be like, nope, I think I'm done with that. Not, I mean, I'm still here doing the show, but you know what I mean? I guess I try to put myself in another's moccasins and it's, uh, it's not as easy as it, uh, as it may seem. All right. Uh, let's go back over to the stories that we were getting into, uh, before we were so rudely interrupted by the, uh, by the uh, commercial break. So we mentioned this yesterday, but it has finally been, or maybe the day before, it has finally been ratified. The Matsu Borough School Board has unanimously approved the new tentative contract agreement with the Education Association. This is being reported on uh, over at KTUU, Alaska's news source. Says after after a long struggle to find common ground, this tentative contract agreement between the Matsu Borough School District and the Matsu Education Association that was agreed upon by both parties in early July, it has now been ratified by the uh, uh, Matsu Borough School Board in a meeting yesterday. Uh, now. The MSEA members concluded the ratification vote with a tentative agreement of just 72% casting it in favor of the approval. So apparently there were some people who did not like what they see, but they were overdone. That's that's fine. Uh, although the vote for the school board was unanimous, uh, board member Ole Larson expressed concern that the district does not have the money for the changes made in the tentative agreement. That would worry me, too. Uh, I mean, you just agreed upon something to which you do not have the money for, uh, that the funds are not there. Yeah, I'd, I'd express concern about that, too. Ole, thank you for, you know, th thanks for the heads up on that. The agreement includes the following changes. It goes into effect. Uh, it's in effect now. It went into effect basically retroactively to July the 1st. But it includes the following changes. A 3% increase in the salary schedule for fiscal years 24, 25, and 26. So they get a 3% raise every year for the next three years. And that's not a cumulative raise. I just, I just, I want to point out a few things. First of all, that's not a cumulative raise. It's not 3% plus 3% plus 3%. It's compounding. So it's 3% of the first year, and then it's an additional 3% of the now increased first year, and then it's an additional 3% of the compounded first year and second year. And three. So effectively, a 3% compounding raise per year essentially ends up being like a 10.5%, almost 11% raise. But, you know, okay, it's good work if you can get it. They're going to get additional steps. Um, in the merit-based step system, and they're going to get a compensation for some positions, an increased compensation for some positions. They're going to transition to premier health care insurance in 2024. 
the district is going to contribute to a health savings account for eligible employees. So they're going to pay for part of that transition if it's more expensive or whatever. They're going to give them more health care costs. And the district will also support supplemental retirement accounts for eligible employees. Now, according to the president of the MSEA, the Matsu Education Association, there were two issues that stalled the negotiations. There was two things that were holding them up. First was their health care providers. They wanted to switch health care to Premira health care. And the, and the union was very happy with the provider that they already have. Which was, yes, of course they did, because it was the Public Education Health Trust. It was the health it was the healthcare system that was being run by the union. Of course they didn't want to make a change to a healthcare administered by somebody else. They wanted to do their own thing. Uh, but the school district would not budge on changing healthcare providers, and that was difficult for members of the uh of the of the teachers union they she said oh you know they've burned some bridges they're gonna have to you know they're gonna have to heal some wounds when we get back <laughs> i'm just like you guys are getting like this gold-plated deal that i mean a lot of people in the private sector would kill for but you know it's okay it's okay just gonna do you know oh. They also, the second item was also having a compensation package that addressed inflation. Um, and that was, of course, had to do with the 3% raise. You know, uh, I, I mean, how many people in the private sector have a guaranteed raise every year? And I know this is kind of an apples to oranges comparison where people are like, well, but they're in the private sector or in the public sector, so they expect less for more. I mean, it used to be the fact that the the public sector used to have the gold-plated benefits as far as, you know, health care, retirement, all those kind of things. They had all those things because it was at, and at a higher level than you'd saw in the private sector because they uh, it was expected that, oh, well, this this wasn't going to pay as well as the it was you were doing a public service and it wasn't going to pay as well as the private sector. So it had to be offset with some of these, you know, gold plated benefits and retirements and all this other kind of stuff. And you look at it today and it's, they're still getting the great benefits and the retirement and everything else, but their pay is, you know, with the exception of certain specialty professions and things like that, the average pay is still pretty damn good. Now it's definitely competitive with the, uh, with the private sector, but uh, so the school board has approved it. It's now going to go into effect. And uh, we won't have to have this fight for another two and a half years. That's what it comes down to, two and a half years. This is going to be going through 2026. And then the fight will start all over again, and it'll be another 3%. Could you imagine if this, was incre if this continued 3% per year, and they kept this going for, let's say, the next three cycles? 3% per year for the next nine years, that's a 30% pay raise. That's a 30% pay raise over nine years if they kept that 3% increase compounding for nine years. It would be over 30% pay raise. <sighs> Good work if you can get it, I guess. That's what it's all about. 
the Anchorage School District is not repeating last year's severe bus driver shortage, according to the ADN. Speaking of schools and bus drivers, the Matsu apparently has got that all handled. I haven't heard a squeak about Matsu not having enough school buses for the coming school year. But the Anchorage School District was also struggling last year. There are 227 bus routes in the district, and according to um, the district spokesman, MJ Tim, um, they have 220 drivers ready to go, which means all but seven routes would be covered. Uh, the district is hoping to hire seven more drivers, and they currently have 15 in training that will make up the difference. Um, they attributed the improving staff, uh, improved staffing to an approximately 20% pay increase that the district implement, implemented last fall. They went from just under $21 an hour to $25 an hour, and also a shift that included all the drivers to work year-round instead of needing to seek employment elsewhere. What do they do in the, in the summer? I don't know, but apparently they're working year-round. Now, they're paying them year-round so they don't lose them. They said part of the problem with last year's hiring challenges is that drivers would go out and find work in the tourism industry for the summer, and those jobs were not ending in time for the start of the school year. <laughs> so the answer apparently is to keep them employed through the summer. Uh, the driver shortage left more than 12,000 students without service for months as the district was rotating bus service. I mean, it was a hot mess. Which cohort is going to get bus service this week? The rest of you have got to figure it out to get rides and go home. I mean, it was it was a hot mess. Yeah, absolutely a hot mess. So they have 220 drivers that are ready to go. They've got 15 more in the queue, and they're still recruiting more drivers. In addition to the $25 an hour pay, they're also offering a $1,000 bonus in December for drivers who don't miss more than two days of work. In a single month? Would that be common to miss more than two days of work in a single month? I happen to be looking at my <laughs> I was looking at my attendance for the stations and stuff like that, and I realized that I've I've missed one day of work this year. Um uh, and if you include last year, I've missed two days of work in two years, and it's because I had COVID. I mean, you, you, you don't miss more than two days of work in a month. And you'll get a $1,000 bonus? Where do I sign up for that? Where do I sign up for that? Anyway, they said that there's no cap on the number of drivers they're willing to hire. Apparently, they're expecting, I don't know if they're expecting it to be a bit of a rotating door or what, but uh, they uh, they said they've got all the school, they've got all the drivers now. So no more problems this year. I mean, it only took them, you know, two years to get back up to speed after the COVID thing. Um, and I mean, it was the parents who have suffered this whole time. And again, no word. The Matsu is like, uh, I don't know if Durham or, or what, I know that that whole thing is settled and I don't think anybody wants to make a squeak for fear. Something else is going to go wrong in the Matsu on that. Uh, all right, we gotta, we gotta go here. We're going to take a quick break. We will return in just a moment. The Michael Duke show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Don't forget, Tammy Wilson will be joining us at the top of the hour, and we'll be talking with her here in just a bit. I get an update from what's going on in the Fairbanks North Starborough. Back with more right after this.
running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, where was I? The only raise we're guaranteed in the private sector is the raise of our cost of living, energy costs, gas prices, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, no, I mean that's the only. When was the last time most, you know? Have you ever had a job in the private sector? Excuse me. Have you ever had a job in the private sector that gave you a guaranteed pay raise every year? Every year. Every year. You were guaranteed a pay raise. Just for showing up and doing the job, you were guaranteed a pay raise. I've never seen that. I, and maybe there are jobs out there. That's what I'm asking. I mean, has there ever been, um, um, you know, has there ever been a, 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 a job that you've seen that had an automatic escalator built into it? It's only the ones that I've only the ones that I've ever seen have been government jobs where they have the where they have the step increases and the guarantees and the, you know, mer- you know, the 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 longevity bonuses and everything else. That's the only those are the only jobs that I've ever seen that had an automatic pay increase in them. And then you start talking about the power of compounding and, you know, a three percent raise per year every year. I mean, in just a handful of years, you're talking about real money, real money. So. Market demand is a magical thing. It means no days off, no nights off sometimes, too. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree with that. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, when I saw that, that it was like, yes, we will offer you a thousand dollar bonus if you don't miss two days or more of work in December. Who is missing two days? I mean, you know, they must have you over a barrel head because if I had people who were continually missing more than two days of work a month, I'd have to start to ask questions like, um, do you really want to be here? Oh, man, it's uh, it's crazy. It's a crazy. Um, the bus issue was an embarrassment. Yes, said Rick. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is... I don't know. Terry says the Matsu. I haven't noticed them, but uh, I, I sometime in my own little world when I'm driving back and forth, um, the Matsu has signs all over Wasilla to hire bus drivers. Yeah, they're going to have a problem. They're going to have a problem for that. Um, the Anthony said, I worked for the government as a military man, and we got guaranteed raises when we got promoted. Big difference was that we had to not suck at our current job to progress upward in pay. See, that's the thing. These step increases are – many of these step increases uh, that I've seen in the in the uh, governmental system are based – not. they're not based on merit. They're just based on longevity. As long as you fill that seat for a certain period of time, you're guaranteed a step increase to the next – to the next, to the next, to the next. There's not a lot of merit-based parts of that. And I think that's problematic, to say the least. You know, um, very, very hard, very hard. Okay. 
Um, uh, tomorrow on the program, David Robert from uh, Alaska Shooting Specialties is going to be with us on the program, and he's going to come in and talk about air guns. He is uh, one of the preeminent air gun dealers in the state, and uh, I'm kind of excited about it because uh, I know a lot of you have been talking about air guns and air rifles and all the things we can do, so I'm um, I'm, I'm excited about it. Raises are based on reviews for what, Jeannie? Uh, in what way? Um, again, in my experience, when I was on the borough assembly, many of those positions, those were just automatic raises. There was no raises based on reviews. It was just based on longevity. If you were still there and you were still filling the seat and you're still punching in and showing up, you got the raise. That was it. Um, government. Um, well, I, maybe in the level of government that you saw, the level of government that I saw, it was automatic, baby. It was just a step increase. You just showed up and that was the thing they do. Um, all right. Where are we at here? We're about 30 seconds out. No, we're about 40 seconds out. So we're going to jump back into this here in just a hot second. And we will uh, continue our discussion. I want to get into this marine highway system thing. I've been trying to get somebody from the marine highway system to come on the program. I actually talked, I even reached out to the consultants that put together the latest who's-he-what's for the, for the marine highway system on their hiring. I was like, I want somebody to come on and talk about this. And I haven't heard from anybody. Anyway, we're going to get back to it. Here we go. Uh, common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Like and share, like and follow. Let's uh, let's do it. Here we go. Okay, the final segment of hour one here for this beautiful, little cloudy, little overcast, but you know it's going to burn off. That's what it's done every morning the last three mornings is that little cool, little cloudy, little foggy in the morning, and then by noon it's like, whoa, oh, it's so nice, so nice out there. Um, all right, let's uh, let's continue on here. Our discussions. Uh, Tammy Wilson is going to be joining us at the top of the hour to give us an update on what's happening in the Fairbanks North Star Borough. As an assemblywoman up there, she's going to give us a she's going to give us a, 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 a an update of all the things that are going on and maybe what we should be watching out there. So it'll be good. Um. This is I was just I was just kind of complaining to the uh, to the chat room um, before we just before we came back. I've been trying to get somebody to come on and talk about the marine highway system. Uh, I have been accused by some people of being a hater 
because I would dare to say that people who travel on the marine highway system should pay a little bit of a higher fare. We shouldn't be paying the full kick on it. And people coming back and saying, well, you've got roads and everything. I mean, and so I'm like, okay, hey, look, maybe I'm, I don't, I would be first one to admit, I don't know enough about the highway system to have a super in-depth conversation about it. Um, I have my feelings. I have my thoughts on it. Uh, but I've been trying to get somebody to come on the program to talk about this, including uh, the the um, the organization that's been working uh, with the marine highway system on their hiring practices. Because one of the big problems that the marine highway is having right now is they don't have enough personnel uh, to uh, they don't have enough personnel to run the ships that they've got. In fact, they're working everybody overtime, uh, basically just to cover the shifts for the ships that they've got and everything else. And it's it's a hot mess. And uh, so if uh, anybody out there knows somebody who's involved with the marine highway system and would make a good guest, you know, send me an email, me at michaeldukeshow.com. And let's I mean, let's talk about let's talk about that, because. I want to, uh, I would like to, I would like to dive into, I would like to dive further into this conversation. So uh, let's, uh, let's do that. Anyway, the new 20 year plan has been rolled out. Thanks in part to a pool of federal dollars flooding into Alaska. They're now looking to address the aging fleet as part of the 20 year plan, according to KTUU. Marine Director Craig Tornga said the ferry system is looking to upgrade more than half of its fleet as part of the 20-year plan, with three new vessels coming online in the next four to five years. Tornga said that there are nine vessels in the fleet, and five of those vessels are over 45 years old. Standardly, or normally, you don't operate vessels past the 25- to 30-year mark. You just keep swinging them out and replacing them. He said the plan seeks to replace the aging uh, Tustamina, which is nearly 60 years old. They're going to replace that with a diesel battery-powered hybrid ferry. I'm sorry. I had to take a drink. Um, A diesel battery-powered hybrid ferry. And I don't mean to laugh. I'm just thinking... We got to do this with everything. We got to have hybrid everything. We got to have, I mean, is Tesla going to build us a ferry? I don't know. The plan also calls for the uh, Latuya to be replaced with an electric powered ferry as well. And in addition, the plan calls for the Matanuska and the Columbia to be replaced. The Aurora and the Lacante will be likely to be replaced in the 2031 range. So they're already looking to cycle all these ships uh, out and move forward. Uh, Tarnga said that the first phase of the draft plan is set to be shared with the legislature this month. He said, uh, it's there for the team here to see the vision and have a path forward, but it's also for the legislature to see that there's a plan, uh, that there is a plan, and when we're looking for funding to support it, they can see that there is a plan that it's tied to. Um, The Southeast Conference Executive Director Robert Venables called the plan a game changer. He said the plan addresses problems that should have been addressed 10 to 15 years ago and added that when ferries break down, it's often weeks uh, at a time 
uh, that they are out of service because parts are so hard to come by locally and technicians have to travel from outside to help uh, fix the states. He went on to talk about how different communities have limited uh, or no access to the ferries for periods of time. And sometimes there's no flights to go, um, you know, no flights going in and out as well. Then uh, they touch again on the whole recruitment and retention issue, which they're having right now. Toringa said uh, that currently they are short in every licensed category where you have to have a license, you know, like a mariner's license or able-bodied seaman's license or whatever. He said they're down nine fleet officers and 36 engineers. They... They have not had a brilliant track record on keeping things going either. He said, according to the draft plan, the Marine Highway System hired 12 new people in 2022 and lost 11. So a net increase of one. Uh, they're not doing great as far as that goes. And that's one of the reasons why they they had this study done and they had this group come in and say they were looking. And it's a fascinating report. Do I have enough time? I don't have enough, I don't have enough time to get into it. But it's a fascinating report because they they actually looked at the breakdown and they actually had interviews with people who had attempted to come work for the highway system and they had interviews and and excerpts in this report and everything else. And basically part of the problem was is that the process of getting hired was so lengthy. People were like, "Nope, I can't afford to wait." And they moved on to do something else. Uh, that was part of the. That was one of the major parts of the problem. They just didn't have that going on. Um, so anyway, they're facing a real problem with that as well. They've. He said the Tornga said they've got a lot of initiatives in that area, uh, and said by the way, this twenty-year plan is going to be mostly funded through federal dollars. The Marine Highway System received nearly ninety-seven million in federal money in twenty twenty-two. Uh, 59 million from the Federal Highway Administration and 37 and a half from the Federal Transit ad, uh, Administration. So the state allocated only $7.5 million because of that infusion of federal dollars. And they expect to have more dollars here in the future as the Infrastructure Investments and Jobs Act is going to continue to spin off money for a while. But um, so there's a plan. Apparently, this is the first thing that people have been saying that there was no long term plan. And now, Craig Tornga, the Marine director, has put together a 20-year plan, and uh, we'll see we'll see how it works. We'll see if it actually gets the job done or not. But again, if any of you out there have any contacts with the Marine Highway System or anything else, put me in contact with them. I reached out to the DOT. I reached out to, the again, the, the new contractor that just did this study and is working with them to improve their hiring. The guy I talked to sounded all excited about being, you know, oh, yeah, we'll get I know that they would love, you know, so and so would love to be on the program to talk about it. And that was the last thing I heard. And that was like four weeks ago. Um, so anyway, um, I would love to talk more about it because I, I want to get educated on it. Uh, I want to I want to learn more about the ferry system. I know it's important to a lot of the coastal communities and to folks out there uh, in various parts of Alaska. Um, I'm just wondering, is it the most efficient thing we can do? Uh, I mean, I have questions. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But uh, anyway, we can go check that out. And uh, if you know somebody, drop them my number. Drop them my email, me at michaeldukeshow.com. M-E at michaeldukeshow.com. Okay, my friends. Well, we are... 
we're here. We're coming up against the break. Uh, we got more coming up. Uh, representative, uh, excuse me, former representative, now Assemblywoman Tammy Wilson is going to be um, joining us here. And we're going to talk with her about what's going on up in the uh, Fairbanks North Star Borough. So we'll see what happens there. All right, we got to uh, we got to move forward. Back with more of the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay, sorry, it's Tammy. She had some questions on the technical aspects of joining the uh, chat this morning. Okay, uh, let me see here. Hiring process is because of the Homeland Security loops, um, loops, hoops that you have to jump through. Brian said he had the same problem too. The lag between the interview and the onboarding was killing candidates. I mean, yeah, I mean, the I don't have it right in front of me again, but the timeline was like, it was more than two months. It was like 90 days, 120 days, this process of trying to get everything done. I mean, long and drawn out. And they had a lot of candidates who basically um, uh, who basically uh, just dropped out of the process because they, they needed a new job. They, got it. they had to go work somewhere. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, okay. What else is uh, what else is the thing? Um, I probably if their retention is bad, they have a management problem. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with that. Let's see. Uh, I took a ten percent pay cut one year in the private sector. Well, yeah. I mean, who hasn't taken one in the private sector? Uh, Jenny says, uh, Jeannie says that the uh, the diesel electric thing is how locomotives are run. And I shouldn't, I mean, I, I think she's trying to say I shouldn't poo-poo it. I wasn't poo-pooing it. I was just, I had to chuckle because it's kind of a new, you know, I mean, it's how, it's how submarines have run for years, right? I mean, diesel electric submarines, this technology has been available in seafaring vessels for a long time. I was just chuckling because... Everything's going to, everything's going electric, right? Everything's going there. So, um, anyway, um, you didn't get the memo. Oh, 
wait a second. I'm sorry. I just was, Brian had like a two-part comment here and he said, I took a 10% pay cut, uh, took a 10% pay cut one year in the private sector. And he said, and Rick says, that must would have been hard to take. And he said, yeah, especially when I didn't find out about it until the paycheck hit the bank. And they were like, oh, you didn't get the memo? <laughs> no, I didn't get the memo. Can you read my memo from here? <laughs> right? Can you read my memo from here? Oh, Yeah. Uh, the Marine Highway, uh, uh, Donna Arduin's, the Marine Highway system should be privatized. Um, and I have espoused that opinion before and been accused of being everything from an idiot to just not knowing what I was talking about, which, I mean, sometimes that's the case. I mean, either that I am an idiot or that I don't know what I'm talking about. But I do have kind of a good idea of why I have that position, why I'm taking that position. Um, but, you know, the cost on something like that, it would be higher. The thing is, is that once you get that governmental interventionalism, you're not going to see any private sector. Uh, you're not going to see a private sector want to do anything. Although I did find it ironic that there are some water ferries uh, that are running people around when the ferry system is not there. There are some private sector people who are out there actually doing some of this stuff on their own. So there's kind of been... Some in some areas, the private sector, private water taxis and things like that have been picking up the slack, which I think is, uh, I mean, it's it's uh, it's an interesting, interesting thing for sure. Um, uh, wait, you mean Bert Stebbin won't come talk about his money pit of a ferry system? Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, hey, look, I see Tammy Wilson is in the green room. We're ready to go. We got time here to check her audio before we uh, proceed ahead. So let's go over here real quick and see what she has to say. Uh, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Is it working? It's it's working. Good. And you? I'm doing real good here. This is what it's going to look like when we're done. See, we're framing the we're framing the thing there. All right. So uh, I'm doing real good. Uh, it's been long time no see. It has been. I mean, you move down there, we never see you again. You know, I'm I'm in town occasionally, just in town long enough to quell that little tiny bit of homesickness, and then be like, now I remember why I left, and then I leave again, because uh, you know it's a oh, it's a million below zero, or I miss the ocean or the mountains or whatever it is. But uh, no, I mean it's uh, you know I I I got to tell you, Tammy, best thing I ever did living down here uh best thing i ever did for so many different reasons for so many my family my my health the health the whole thing the opportunity um i love fairbanks i love the people but i you can keep all that 35 and 40 below stuff i don't need that anymore i can't i just i did my time warden said i was released and was free to go on parole i did that was what happened so hey it's fair time and sunny what more could you want well, that's true too. It's it's true. At least it's not raining during the fair. That seems to be the common deal. Um, all right. Well, we're going to be back to you here in just a hot second. I'm going to pull you back into the green room. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like it, share, like it, follow. Let's do this thing. Here we go.
buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find links to the audio-only stream, uh, links to the podcast, link to the social media sites where we simulcast the show on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, and so much more, and also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning, Alaska. Welcome to Hour 2 of the broadcast today. We are jumping into this now uh, in Hour 2. I thought we'd get a little bit of an update. You know, it's been a while since we kind of focused down in some of the communities, and since I've been making the argument lately that uh, we should be focusing on the things Things that we can change, we should be focusing on the communities. And so I thought I'd make it easy on myself and start off with the uh, with the ones where I can get a pretty easy, uh, make a phone call or may send a text message and, and we can start to get an update. Still want to do this, by the way, with folks in the KPB and the, down in the Matsu as well. Uh, we want to get some updates locally on what's happening there. But I reached out to my friend former representative and now assemblywoman, or once again assemblywoman, I guess, Tammy Wilson, to talk about uh, what's going on uh, down in Fairbanks. And she joins us right now. Good morning, Tammy. Good morning. How you been? You know, no complaints. No complaints. Uh, summer is finally, I know you guys have had a little bit more summer than we have down here in the South Central area. Uh, I think before this last weekend, we'd had three days of sunshine in the entire summer. So uh, it's been getting nice. And now maybe I'm hoping we get a little bit of that Indian summer. Maybe this will go on into uh, September and we can enjoy it a little bit. But uh, you've had, uh, boy, you've you've had a lot of things going on, you know, uh, on the uh, on the in the legislature, leaving to go work uh, in oversight for OCS and other things. And then in your spare time, you decided uh well, why not? I'll run again for Borough Assembly. Uh, you had been on the Borough Assembly before I was. Um, and in fact, yep. you left. And did I, who, I, I, I can't remember whose seat I was, was I filling your seat? I can't remember. Did I fill your seat? No, Natalie, Natalie did. Natalie so. filled your seat. And I can't remember who else left that I filled their seat. Anyway, uh, it's been a while, uh, but you've been following these issues for a long time. And then Barbara Haney called in yesterday and was talking about some of the things that are going on in the borough assembly and, and some projects. And it just made me think, you know, I'm just not up to speed on what's going on up in Fairbanks. And I should I should probably do that. We should probably get back up to speed on what's going on in the various communities. And that way, folks in the various communities can hear what some of the other challenges are. And so uh, I invited you on. So thanks for coming on. How, how's it been? How long you've been on the assembly there now? This this one this last uh, go around here. I'm in my third year right now. Uh, I run in October. So how much fun passes along the way. But 
we took the bureau back last time with um, Brett and Barbara. So I, I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time we were in the majority. We've been in the minority for ever. Yeah. No, no, I mean, even when I joined, we were in the, it was more balanced when I first joined the assembly back in 2008 would have been, I think my first year on the assembly. And it was close to being kind of a balance. Um, uh, we may have been in the minority by one, but over the course of the next five years, it was like you just saw them whittle away, whittle away. And in the last great act of defiance, I think Lance was gone. And then I think it was just me for like the last eight, ten months or whatever. And I was like, I don't know what to do here except say no. Yeah, I've done that one before. One. <laughs> yeah. Rail against the machine, you know, kind of thing. So it's good to see. It's good to see that you're swinging the pendulum back a little bit. I was talking about that the other day that, you know, the, the problem is, is that we get so focused, so hyper focused on uh national events things that we can't necessarily we can't necessarily do anything about except get it get all spun up about it but we can't necessarily do it we get so hyper focused on a lot of those things that we forget to pay attention on what's going on in our own backyard and i think that's kind of what happened in the borough where people are like they're so focused on all the the circus that is the national stage that they forget to look at what's going on and slowly but surely it eroded that balance in the borough. Well, especially here, we're a second class borough. A lot of people don't even know what a borough does, right? They're used to counties and boroughs have, depending upon what you are, we're second class, very limited powers. But every time you turn around, they're wanting to take something else on. And so the question is, can they you know, really do it? But I'll let you know one thing I never knew is that You've heard of the comprehensive plan, right? Right, it's right. It's a plan that every borough makes. Well, all their powers come from the comprehensive plan. That's where the statute comes in. So, like, technically, they shouldn't have road powers, but because they have a comprehensive plan, they can make a road map, which they're doing right now here, and a plan and planes, you know, and saying, you know, eventually we may ask DOT to make these roads through your property. We just got done doing that through the trails. So I don't know if you followed our trails. It was crazy. Right. Literally, we had people wanting us to, so let's say, for instance, there are, there's 30 acres, 10, 10, and 10, right? 10 acres, the first 10 has a legal access trail going through it. I own the middle 10, and the second 10 acres has a legal trail. They are drawing lines through, like, my property, for an example, and if I ever subdivided for any reason, maybe just to give to my kids, right, so they could have it, to be able to plot it, I would have to then give up access across my property. And if that wasn't bad enough, oh, we'll reroute it, they say. So if they, let's say they rerouted it down, you know, the line. Then right. you, the property owner who didn't want the trail, had to do five feet of trail clearing possibly in the middle of nowhere. And it's just like, yeah. and this was, this, this happened in the eighties. So this wasn't even something new. All this was doing was going to do it to more people instead of being proactive and going to the people and saying, Hey, you know, we'd like to connect these different trails. Nobody's trespassing. They were going to do it basically by condemnation. Right. How can you be okay with that? Well, no, you know? I, I, I mean, as it turned out, we took all the new trails out encourage the borough to go do it the right way, right? Go to people. If they won't do it, go to the person north or south or east or west. But we, 
it, it took us months because we couldn't even get, and this was the sad part, we actually thought we had the votes to just make it so that went completely away. And the mayor was like, well, I'll veto it if you do that. And then we had, sadly enough, one of ours cave because, well, he'll veto it. And then, you know, it just wasted four more months. But like you said, it's local. We couldn't yeah. get our side to come out and testify, right? right Even right. though we knew what they wanted and they would be appalled if they ever wanted to do something like this. But they're so busy, like you said, you know, looking at the legislature or Congress because it looks flashier. But I guarantee you, we're going to touch you harder yeah. and most likely worse than anybody else Absolutely. is going to do. I got to say that my one of my proudest things that I accomplished when I was on the borough assembly, because I mean, I, I feel like it was definitely an interesting experience. I don't think I'd ever want to do it again, but I'm proud of the fact I was the RSAC chair for three years, I think, maybe four years, almost the, a big chunk of the time that I was there. And one of the things that I was able to do was basically, uh, you know, kind of laid the smack down on public works because they were trying to take control of all these road service areas and they were trying to consolidate it to where they had the say and everything else. And I was able to basically force that issue back. I had legal on my side because they were doing things that were kind of in the gray area and uh, and we were able to do that. And the second thing was uh, was something I think that you started with Natalie um, was the, you know, kind of the grandfathering rights, the grandfather rights for private property. Those are my two proudest moments in the assembly because basically protecting people's property rights, both in grandfathering and in being able to have their own say in their own road areas. I just thought this is, you know, th this is ridiculous. And the trail thing, the comprehensive plan was a thing. I mean, 10 years ago when I was in there, it was also a thing. They were talking about, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to build these, all these roads. And they had these huge visions. I mean, at one point, the comprehensive plan wanted to bring a bunch of people back into the core area. And they were saying, we need to build these high rise, you know, living areas where and and no parking because nobody needs a car and all this. I mean, it was the, the the planners planners those people are nuts because they think that they can plan human nature and that they have the vision and that everybody should abide by it <clears throat> they had something like that in soviet russia and you saw how that worked out for them right i mean this is not a great idea well and it's something that is like oh it's just a plan it means nothing it means a lot or one of my favorite ones a, a couple of weeks ago they had the air quality, the little monitors, right? The ones that don't count for anything. We're not even supposed to be doing any of that anymore because of an initiative, you know, that we passed here. And for $300,000, they want to put like these little purple monitors, I think that's what they're called, on it. And we're like, why? I mean, what does it, doesn't do us any good. Gives more information to the feds, which I don't know why you would want to do that, you know, so they could just hammer us even more. And when we voted it down, I really thought the mayor was going to come loose because he's like, well, you can't do that. You approved it in the budget. Why would you put in the budget, like hidden down into, you know, this huge document, right? That should have been something separately done. You know, the, if if the state thinks it's, it's worthwhile, let them pay for it. They're the ones in charge, not us, you know, at this point. And right. it's just, they get appalled if we don't just like rubber stamp everything that comes along. But every time we do something like that, then somebody has to pay for it, right? That's what the biggest thing on local, besides our bus system, you know, most of the rest of the stuff that we get are general funds, right? Comes from your property taxes. And I'll tell you right now in the borough, once our property taxes, start, our, our values stop going up because of the mil 
a lot of military coming in, you know, just like the stock market, it, it, it's going to hit the top, right? And it's going to start going back down. That's what, you know, we have counted on is that money. And for the first time, we actually decrease the budget, which will automatically, because of the tax cap, do it again next year. But at the end of the day, that's the biggest factor you can do when you have such a slim margin, because everything else in the fall, they take the seats back, they can undo everything, you know, we did the, the whole year, right. including the wonderful climate action committee that <laughs> we also don't have any power over that failed. That failed, right, exactly. All right, well, let's- We're uh, failed by everybody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I, I got to tell you. And uh, I want to kind of walk through some of the big issues that uh, that the interior is facing for folks who may be listening and not paying attention normally. Uh, Tammy, I mean, you used to come on the program every couple of weeks and talk about things. I know back in the assembly days when I was running the show in Fairbanks, uh, we used to have a lot of, uh, of uh, folks on and we focused pretty hard on that. And we were able to you know, motivate and get some engagement from some of the local community. So that's kind of my point here in in bringing you back on and hopefully to do the same thing with some of the other borough assemblies. Uh, Because again, we can't affect what's going on in Washington. We can barely affect what's going on in Juneau. Uh, so we need to focus on what's going on locally, and, and this is, I think, a good start for it. All right, uh, we're coming up on the break. Tammy Wilson is our guest. Uh, we will continue in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Make sure you come out and join us on Facebook if you'd like to be part of the chat room. We've got a bunch of folks in there this morning on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. We will be back with more right after this. Continuing with Tammy Wilson on the other side. Listen to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man... They're going to be best. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Tammy Wilson, our guest here uh, on the program as we continue to go through. Um, does Tammy miss Juno? They got a fat raise. Are you going to go to Juno again? 67% pay raise, Tammy. No. Oh, you sure you can't be you can't be enticed by that 67? You make 130,000 bucks a year now. I mean, come on. That's a for a few months worth of work. What a what a great deal, right? I, I can't believe they did that, but you know something, grandchildren still trump. You know. Oh yeah, no, yeah, they still but... trump any time you have to spend outside. I mean, definitely, yeah, spending time with the family, and I mean, you did your time. I think you did your time, and uh, you know, it was uh, th- that whole thing has just been such a hot mess from the very beginning, and now you're back to where you can make a difference uh, locally in a in a lot bigger way. Uh, and I'm glad to see it. I'm glad to see it. Uh, sure would be nice to have some more people come out of the Fairbanks area, though, that are more of that mindset. I mean, that's we seem to have gotten. We seem to have missed the balance, not only on the Fairbanks North Star Borough Assembly, which is now coming back, but we seem to have missed that in our legislative uh, contingent as well. Used to be a little bit more balanced in the legislative contingent. You know, it it's hard to get people up here to vote. I mean, ranked choice voting obviously didn't help at all. But if you look at the local ones where we don't have ranked choice voting, 
um, Frank Tomaszewski tried to change it to the November election like they had done in, you know, down in your area. And we didn't have, you know, the votes at that particular time. But the numbers of people who vote, like you just said, on the, you know, state and, you know, if we had those same people vote on our local level, we would have a very different makeup of people. And I don't yeah. know how we let them know that, you know, this is just as important as those other areas. And it's not because people haven't tried. <laughs> trying uh, a whole lot of the ways. Look at what they do down in Anchorage. I mean, their municipal election is in April. I mean, compared to everything else. I mean, how in the how how in how the world? How do you world? do that? How do you elect a mayor who's obviously conservative, right? You don't even have to guess right. whether he's conservative, right? And then you get like as far left as you possibly can on the assembly. And then I mean, I guess if you don't want anything ever done, I guess that's what you do, but yeah. No, I, I found that ironic. I mean, after the first thing, and, and I thought that there was going to be a bit of a swing in the assembly. I thought maybe it would right. get a little bit more even, but it just kept going on. It's just, it's super progressive. And now Bill Pop, who is the ADE, uh, the AD, uh, was it the Anchorage Development Authority uh, guy, he's resigned and apparently was telling everybody at the end of the thing after he resigned that he's a running for mayor and apparently his people are on it. So now you're going to have LaFrance and Chris Tuck and Bill Pop all running for uh, mayor, uh, which again is going to lead to a runoff and uh, we'll see what happens. But I don't know. It's not looking good that's for crazy. it's not looking good for Team Bronson if that's the case, according to some of the polling that I've seen uh, from Ivan Moore. But it's I can't imagine that that people are people have got to be tired. They got to get tired of kind of the fisticuffs that go on in the public eye like that. And they just at some point are like, I, we just want everybody to do the business kind of thing, you know. Um, but it sure would be nice if we could get some more conservative voices out down in Anchorage. I mean, I'm just glad I don't live in Anchorage. My God, that I, I would <clears throat> I would hurt myself on that. That that's crazy stuff. Um. But uh, and of course, Fairbanks is, uh, you know, again, that balance has come back, which I, I feel good about. Um, and it, I mean, it's even better that you guys are in the majority. But even when it's a fairly even, you know, four or five or five, four split, you know, that kind of thing. I think that that is still good uh, that I can I can live with that. I can sway some people, you know, with some arguments on certain things or, you know, I've seen the public show up in mass and that kind of stuff. I think it works better when there's a balance uh, in that regard anyway. I mean, it's nicer when we're in the majority, but even if it's just a kind of an even split, it's better. Well, three of the five of us are up, so we'll see what the balance is in October. Yeah. And next year, three of theirs are of the five. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll be to interesting. Watch. All right. Well, we're uh, 30 seconds out now getting ready to um, uh, get – Tammy, your thoughts on the Food Security Advisory Board. Um, I don't know. We'll see if she has any thoughts on that as we go through here. Maybe we'll catch we'll catch that on the next uh, break here. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Tammy Wilson, our guest. We continue uh, right now. Here we go. Public anima number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy, public enemy number one, which uh, makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke show. What? A pain in the what? Uh, not sure. Uh, never been accused of that before. The Michael Duke show, Common Sense Radio. Tammy Wilson, Borough Assemblywoman, is our guest, former legislator. She joins us today to talk about 
the big issues facing uh, the interior. Uh, we've been talking about it a little bit on the show because it's made the statewide headlines, Tammy. Uh, one of the issues that was near and dear to our heart. In fact, you and I worked together to put together ballot initiatives for uh, the air quality and the wood smoke and the standards and everything else. And we put, how many years did we put that petition out? I mean, it was every two years. Oh, every two years. It must have been ten, almost 10 years that that Tammy and I put out the the, the thing there. Um, and, of course, now we're seeing the big push. Now the state is even more involved saying we can't comply any more than you're having us comply. And the EPA is saying the one thing that I warned about, what did I warn about when I was on the assembly? You guys are all focused on these wood stoves. And what they're going to tell you is that these wood stoves are only 10% of the problem and that the real problem right. is your oil-fired broilers and your point sources and all these other heating things. And they're going to want you to go to low sulfur fuel, and they're going to want you to do all these things. And they said, you're alarmist. You're an alarmist. And what did the EPA say today? Point sources. You should have included in your plan, everybody needs to burn uh, low you know, low sodium or low sulfur diesel and all this other kind of stuff. So give us an update here on the air quality issue and what's going on. Well, first of all, I'm going to shout out to the governor and to the EC Commissioner Rooney, because they have been fighting for us from day one. I mean, they did not roll over when the first one said, we're not going to do it. So they've been on the front fighting for it. But you're right. You and I both said the same thing. As soon as they do it, you know, as soon as we get rid of the IM, they'll go back after cars again and have another thing. They'll go after the power plants and make it. So basically it would be unaffordable if you do anything here. For those who don't know, both um, Fort Wainwright, Ileson Air Force Base and the university are all burning coal, right? Which we all know what the EPA thinks about that. And so we put our plan in that, honestly, I thought still went too far, right? But it could have been a lot worse. We get, we went in, we, we testified, but at this point with our inversions, we can't ever make it. Right. We can get close, but then they changed the number, which yeah. is what they did, because we made we have met the old number, the one you and I fought on. Right. We, we've been there, we made it, and they changed the rules again. And that's what they'll keep doing, without what people don't understand, is they'll keep changing the rules not through Congress, but through an agency. EPA does their own thing. But unless Congress is willing to get in and say, enough's enough and these are the other things, um, and it's not a point source. They, they all have pollution control devices out this world. We lost part of Healy, right, because of that, who is not even in, the, in, in, in our area as far as air quality, but they'll keep reaching. And Matt Sue soon enough, We'll also be in it if, yeah. as, if they keep lowering that number back down. Yeah, they're talking so about that right now. Say enough? Yeah, they're talking about that right now in Matsu. The air quality in Matsu is second to, to Fairbanks. So that's like the second worst in the state. And a lot of that has to do with, again, environmental issues, the glacial silt out of the butte and all this other kind of stuff and everything. And they're they're looking to do the same thing in the Matsu. But at some point, Tammy, people have got to say just what you just said. It is unattainable. The numbers you're looking for, because of the climatic conditions and the geography of the area, it's unattainable. And, Absolutely. And so you basically just have to say, sorry, can't do it. And, now, of course, the threat is they'll withhold highway funds if you don't hit the if you don't hit the numbers. They'll withhold the federal highway funds in your area. At some point, you might just have to say, okay. You know, we're doing a lot of construction up here right now. I can't imagine any more roads needing fixed. I don't know if you've <laughs> been here for a while, interchanges and everything else that's being done. But the rock on the road, when we go over it and crush it, causes 
our air quality to get worse. I mean, so what do you do, right? Okay, we're not gonna put rock on the road anymore. And so we're just gonna try to drive on the ice and hope it works out well. Pretty sure it won't work out well at all. So, I mean, it's not just about, like you said, wood stoves, it's all the other things that we have to do because of our climate here to be able to do it. And so I'll tell you right now, if we get another negative 40, lose our electric like we did before, for like a week at a time, there will be a lot of houses up here that will freeze up because so many have given up their wood heat completely, even as a backup. You know, then what are you going to do, right? I mean, there's nothing you're going to be able to do because it could be too late because we try to comply with a, not a law, but with an agency that a regulation. doesn't have good science and has even admitted it. Yeah, a regulation so, and right, a policy. The, yeah, the community has to do it though, yeah. right? You as a community have to finally say, enough is enough but i mean it does help that we do have you know some great people on our side but you still have to stand up for yourself so where does it sit right now where does the air quality issue sit right now the state is telling the epa that they need to wait for another plan uh that they need to get their certification for the wood stoves because it's not right it's never worked properly so they need to get that where where are you at where are we at there inside the borough on this right now so the state is pushing back a lot dec has gone through and made a smaller list of set because it back to like you said they don't even test them correctly they use what's called stick wood in a controlled environment which doesn't have a negative 40 with the trees that we have and say well these are good stoves well they're not good stoves as far as meeting what epa has said so as long as the epa doesn't come down on the manufacturers and say it has to be this way we can only buy what's out there right my understanding is the state's not looking to put any other plan together they're saying this is it this is what we can do. There's nothing else we can do that won't be devastating to the community. And so I think right now they're kind of at a standoff. Um, I don't know whether they're thinking of lawsuit or whatever, but um, they, like I said, we have a governor at this point that's not willing to sell us down the stream and, and just say, we'll do anything. He's like, we have done everything we can do. The community has been back behind it until you know something more affordable comes along and still, Nobody gives up wood heat when you're in these kind of right. temperatures. No, it's no. just dangerous. It's a question of survival at that point. It really is heat or eat. I mean, you know, you can't afford the the fuel oil because the fuel oil. And by the way, if the EPA gets their way and they say you've got to burn the ultra low sulfur fuel, I mean, that's a what a twenty percent premium on regular heating oil, maybe twenty five percent premium. If you can get it, if you understanding can get it. is if you can get it, it's not even guaranteed that there would be enough to be able to do that. And then just like you do with anything else, do the kind of furnaces people have, you know, because my understanding, I don't know a lot about diesel trucks, but my understanding is the older diesel trucks doesn't like the new diesel, right? Actually does bad things to it. I think the same thing can happen here is that furnaces were built for certain types of heating oil. You start putting extra stuff in it, you know, but again, yeah. right? We're trying to get rid of the old stuff by destroying it, forcing people to buy new in an environment that I think right now Things are better than they were before COVID, but there's still a lot of people recuperating and small business, especially. Well, and at this point, the last I heard before I left Fairbanks was one of the things that Glenn Miller said when he was the director there, uh, as he said, you know, that even even natural gas is not necessarily the answer because of the moisture content of the particulate trap, the particulate capture inside yeah. the moisture and things like that. So even though everybody was touting it as, oh, this will help our air quality. He's like, not the way that the EPA is accounting for it because of the moisture content and the particulate capture in the moisture, it'll still cause problems. I mean, again, this moving target of, 
oh, you hit it. Now we're going to move it. And now we're, oh, we're going to move it again. Absolutely. And so you're never going to be able to comply. Right. And, you know, they put the monitors in the places, you know, where there's a low spot, right? You go to, you go down on Hearst Road, the one here in North Pole. And I don't think that particular monitor can ever make it because you can just look on days no. where it's really cold and see it just like gather right down, you know, at the bottom. Right. You know. Well, the monitor was down the street from my house when I lived in North Pole. Yep. And Still my, there. And my house was always at least five degrees to, to eight degrees colder than the surrounding area because it's a bowl. It's a low spot. And so all the air would also gather in that low spot. Let's put the monitor in the spot that is the lowest point that, you know, and that's, that's exactly it. It was set up. It was almost destined to fail. Yep. So I think that's, um, thank you, Mayor Hopkins, because he was the one. Yeah. And if you stick it there for more than three years, it's permanent. Yeah. So, yeah. It's until been... we meet that obligation. But All right. Um, yeah. So air quality. We're kind of at a stalemate, no real standstill. Are you been doing the, I guess I should have checked with you on this before, but are you still doing the initiative or is it still, is the law still in place? What are we at? It's absolutely still in place. So um, the last time we put it in place about, I think six years ago, um, it is still there. So pretty much that, besides the grants that we get for wood stoves that we keep changing out, right? One by one, you know? Um, and then change them out again another year because they've changed what they're doing. That's the only part that the borough plays in it at this is to be able to have the stove change out. With most of that now is wood to gas, wood to oil. There's very little wood to wood. So you have to be willing not just to give up your wood stove, but to put a deed on your home so that nobody else can do it as well. And that's what a lot of people don't understand that you, you know, whoever looks at your deed, right, to see if you could have wood heat. Right. Nobody else in the country even does that. Yeah. But it's something people need to be able to take, you know, look at because it could make a big difference later on. Right. Now, luckily, we don't have police power, so that helps. Little minor details. Yeah, little minor. They got <clears throat> those code enforcement officer guys, though. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, what are some of the other uh, big issues? That was the one of the big ones before I left. Uh, any, what else is uh, some of the big issues that are facing the, uh, the borough, the Fairbanks North Star Borough that you're looking at on the assembly right now? Well, education just came back, right? We, you know, the, the governor cut half of that in half. So it was at $16 million. The district got $8 million. Um, so they were up to 58 and came back in. We had not given them all the money here, um, waiting to see what would happen, you know, on the state side of it. So they ended up with, you know, $62 million. So what makes it hard on the borough is, you know, kind of like the, the state's very similar we can't tell them what to do with the money, right? We just okay the money. And so, you know, it's really up to our school board to, you know, make those changes. And I'll give one thing, I may not like our budget on the borough, but the school district, it's really hard to figure out where that money goes. And unless they change their budget process where it's line by line, like we do in the borough, it's gonna make it almost impossible for the board to be able to make those. To track the where the money's is, going. We still yeah. have the moratorium on school bonding. So we have not, had any new bonds in the borough for over 10 years at this point. We're actually fixing it when it breaks. <laughs> what a concept, right? right? Let's not wait till the roof <laughs> actually pours in water. Let's fix a little leak beforehand. Right. Well, and that, um, and that was actually know, so another thing. Right. That, that was another thing that I was proud of is that we did create a school maintenance fund because the school kept squirreling money away and then coming to us hat in hand and saying, well, we need more money to fix the schools. And we're like, well, where's the money that you, but so we created a school maintenance fund and hopefully they're using that 
wisely to then fix the, you know, to fix the uh, the schools as things break. They are, and but what's unique is that we Joy Joy um, Elementary School closed, right? And so they use some of that money to renovate the library and move the library into Joy School, who's now become the Joy Community Center. Now you know what happens when you name things something like the community center. Oh, God, it's going to take a lot to say. Okay, the library went back. They wanted at the last minute to put six point five million dollars into the budget, so that because of the revenue cap, right? So it wouldn't squish down so much next year. Five hundred thousand was to look at this school to see about bringing other departments, you know, out of the school district buildings and stuff like that to like measure it and architect. I'm like. $500,000, right, to get a tape measure out. That was just like crazy. And I, and the only purpose for it was literally so that they could spend more money next year and not have to make the hard decisions that will come up next year. Because to me, one of the biggest successes we did is that we didn't just put pressure on, we actually followed through, unlike the legislature and their um, wannabe plans. You know, the revenue cap does work as long as you continue to you know, make sure you're putting that pressure, taking money out that right. you don't, and then also making sure that you make things uh, uh, more efficient, right? So that you don't need as many people to do it because you've taken all that bureaucracy out of it. I mean, it's right. two parts, yeah. cutting it and then making things change. Well, in education, of course, uh, the one thing uh, we got, we don't really have a minute here, but uh, we did see from the uh, policy forum, they had the list of all the school districts in the state that had received federal monies for COVID. And the Fairbanks North Star Borough still got a huge chunk, millions of dollars sitting there in the account. Uh, and of course, you guys have no control over that. But are, is there any way to put pressure on that to make sure that that gets spent wisely instead of on like, you know, one instead of on like continuing like the Anchorage School Board did, where they basically use the money to pay salaries instead of doing it for one time things? Uh, is there any pressure you guys are putting on or talking about that? We can't. I mean, we really, you know, it's back to we OK the funding, but we don't. OK, now my understanding is this next year it should be. It may be showing a lot more, maybe the amount hasn't gone through, but there are dates on this COVID money. So within the next year or two, it will be gone whether they use it or not Yeah, because it will expire. Yeah, it expires next year, uh, like September of next year is when it expires. So, well, it'll be interesting to watch, that's for sure. Tammy Wilson is our guest. We're talking about the Fairbanks North Star Borough, getting the details on things that are going on down there. We're going to continue here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Tammy Wilson, our guest, and we're back with more right after this. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, Tammy Wilson is our guest here uh, on The Michael Duke Show. This is why, <clears throat> speaking of the transparency and everything else, this is why it's also important to focus on local races like the school board, right? Um, and the school board historically, Absolutely. the school board historically in Fairbanks has been a fairly progressive body, uh, I guess I would say. Uh, they That's have had, it. yeah, I mean, they have they have had very few. 
Um, they've had very few conservatives on that body for a long time. And I think part of that is showing in what's going on here in that there is no transparency in what's going on. There is no, we have no idea where the monies are going. And a lot of times it just seems like it's a rubber stamp from the board to the district, uh, because they said, well, we need it. And that's what goes on here. Lisa and Gary says, uh, there are other states that have laws about school transparency on their books. That needs to be done here. And I would agree with that. I mean, it should be an open book as to where is the money going so that it helps the board and it helps the assembly make decisions on whether or not the the ask from the school district is justified. Well, and so, you know, we're 3-4 on the school board. Um, we have a chance of flipping that um, at this election. And that's exactly what I've told our our counterparts over there is that you need to change the budgeting point because how do you question percentages or everything lumped together or generally every classroom is going to have this many every classroom's not going to have that you know how because they're the ones who need to be able to sit down and be able to do that and right now the way those books are it's almost impossible or i don't care how good you are you have to start having those details out there or at least have access to it even if it's not like in the main book, but so much of what we do on education is done by state law on how things are done. But the budgeting part, they could absolutely not just make it more transparent, but more easily re readable so that people can come in and say, I want this or I don't want this and know where that's money coming, you know, coming in. But, you know, we had the health books that came in. I don't know if you were following that. And it wasn't the health book, but the supplement, you know, was just appalling, right? you no. know, on it. And we thought for sure that we were going to lose it. And it just shows you when people come out and give great testimony and really point out the things on it, you know, it, it was rejected. And, and that, and that was what people yeah, don't understand. That was a supplement yeah. to a health series, you guys, that the district was already using. And it was a supplement that had a lot of the gender based uh, sexuality thing. I mean, it had a lot of stuff in it. And uh, the public came out and basically said, not only no, but hell no. And uh, and the board listened, surprisingly enough. No, but if we lose those seats, because we get, you know, two of those seats, you know, the, of the people or the four that voted for that are up for reelection this year, you know, they go out, I'll guarantee you that supplement comes right back in, you know, this fall. And, all, you know, that's what people don't understand is that we have these wins, like you just said, but the wins, a lot of times they can only last as long as you have the numbers right. to continue long enough to go down that stream. Don't grow weary and well-doing is what we're saying. This is the battle's not over. That was or that was just a skirmish that we won. We've got to keep fighting the battle uh, for sure. Right. That. Yeah. Got numbers. It's, uh, you know, God love you for keeping it to do that. I got to tell you, my five-year Ten, tenure there was enough for me to just go, well, that was enough, you know, uh, because it's an exercise right. in frustration. A little bit better maybe once it's balanced, but it is definitely a frustrating thing to see. And especially since more and more of the people, and this is more of a statewide and even a national issue, we're seeing more and more people just kind of throw their hands up in the air and go, ah, I can't deal with it anymore. Uh, but and it's so, us. And so it's they're not, not voting. It's us yeah. to say that. Yeah, exactly. It's the more independent and conservative people who are like, oh, just screw this. And they walk away. We can't do that. We can't do that. Yeah. And I know it's frustrating out there and seeing the things. I mean, I completely understand where they're coming from, but we can't do anything then, right? We just sit there like you did a few years and just have to go through the process, try to bring things up, let people know what's going on. But at the end of the day, you know, it is a numbers game, you know, for the simply it's five, four, if it's four, four or four, five, I mean, you, you 
can only hope to kill something at the end of the day to win. And that is, you know, not a really fun feeling. No, to, I mean, you know, I, I, to know that that's the only reason that you're there. Right. I felt like my nickname should have been Dr. No, because all I did was say no and just and then got run over, you know, no. Yeah, exactly. and then, they run. then you stopped to look back and you were like, yeah, the bus came over. Exactly. I mean, you know, and and, and that's what you need is, you know, I, I dealt with it for five years and then I'd had enough. And what you need is you need another person to step up and say, OK, I'll take the I'll take it for four or five years. And then the next person, you know, can't just be the same one on the other side they got the same people in there for decades who are like oh we love doing this we love you know and and because they're getting their way we need to make it we need to make it more balanced so that it's painful for everybody i mean that's the thing the founders intended this whole thing to be messy as hell they wanted it to be messy because it was more difficult to put all the laws in if it was easy rubber stamp that's where you get tyranny, right? I mean, that's what they were afraid of. Yeah. That's why they wanted it to be a messy process. Um, and it should be. And it should be messy and painful. But we just can't We can't stop. We can't stop never stopping, if that makes sense. Um, all right. So uh, we're going to jump back into it here. Tammy Wilson, our guest, last segment for the show this morning. Uh, please like and share, like and follow. You can send stars on Facebook. You can do super chats on YouTube. Here we go. Common Sense Radio. All right, welcome back. Final segment of the show this morning. Tammy Wilson is our guest, borough assemblywoman, former legislator, all-around good person. And uh, she comes on board to talk with us today about some of the issues and challenges facing the Fairbanks North Star Borough. This is the beginning of something I'd like to do quite frequently. And we're going to see if we can get somebody from the Kenai Peninsula Borough and somebody from the Matsu Borough. I don't know if we could get anybody on from the Anchorage Assembly, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what it's like, Tammy. So we've talked about air quality. We've talked about education. Uh, what are some of the other big issues? I mean, you mentioned the trails thing, and that's a property rights issue. And I think property rights are one of the things that I, like I said, it was one of the things that I was proudest about was championing uh, championing property rights uh, in the borough. Is that still under threat? Obviously, from the trail thing, but is there other issues that we're still dealing with? So. You know, that, that ended up being a, a compromise. You know, like I said, we took all the new ones out. It was a law from the 1980s. Um, and, you know, there was money now to go out and actually negotiate um, and not condemn. We took that out, too. They couldn't do, they could condemn property to put in a trail. So back to, you know, we found that middle ground that really needed to happen because nobody would have ever known that these lines were on your property. You wouldn't even think to look there. But I think, you know, at this point, now how do we slim government down, right? And like, you know, one of, you know, simple ideas, and one thing that would be nice for the legislature, we spend so much money with the news miner because every meeting we have, all the agendas have to be published in a paper, even if nobody reads it, right? It doesn't matter. It's the only one locally that we're doing. So like one of the things is that, you know, we're having trouble getting any attorneys for whatever reason. I don't know if it's pay. I don't know if it's, they don't like the work. Maybe people, you know, there's, there's better places to be, which I can kind of understand that. So we took all of our committees and we made them all quarterly meetings now. So we have all these different child care, well, not child care, early childhood, senior commission, trails, you name it. We got a whole list of them. And a lot of them were meeting RESAC, um, the road one, meeting every month. And with that takes a bunch of staff, right? And so if you're low on staff, how do you, how, what do you do? You got to start slimming things down, right? 
Um, so that was one of them. One of the big things coming before us right now is that we have an assessor who's decided that, let's say I have a church and I bought 10 acres, right? Put my church on that 10 acres and I have plans to build out, but I'm not building out yet. You know what she's done? She's like drawn a line around the church and said, well, that's exempt, but the other eight acres isn't because you're not exclusively using it for the church. When did that ever come? That it, I mean, it does say exclusively, but that means that. So we have churches and not on a lot of our nonprofits where people have donated land, like, you know, vacant lots and stuff like that. I'll give you another example. You have the food bank that bought a building down on South Cushman and they're going to utilize it, you know, for a lot of different activities. But because they haven't been able to do it yet, right, because they just bought it, it's being taxed. Worse yet, two rivers. Remember all the fires we had from right. an arsonist? Right. They burned down the free clothing store. Right. So that lot now, even though it's attached to the community center, are now being taxed because they don't have that building. <laughs> this is this is bureaucracy run amok. I mean, this is they can't just make those rules and decisions. That's something the assembly needs well, to get into. They can because they are. You know, so we keep getting well. Who could do something about it? Well. The mayor can do something about it. You know, I'm, we, we try to, you know, bring it out there, but that's going to be a huge issue coming up right now is exclusive. You know, what does that actually mean? It, something absolutely is going on every piece of land? Because once they do that, here's where the borough will go next. And they'll go after the seniors, right? Say, I have a house on 20 acres. What would stop them, right, from taking the house in an acre? And I know other states have done this, giving them the tax break for that, right? And then charging you for the excess acreage, right? That you're not currently got your house on. That's so if they can do it to churches and nonprofits. Don't think that they can't do it, you know, to others. Once you get that kind of definition and somebody who goes out on their own to say this, they already did to our agricultural friends as well. You know, they read assessed all those and put a lot of people out of business, you know, because you were talking about food security. I'm not sure about how the committee works, but I'm telling you right here that. We have an assessing department completely out of control, and it's hurting a whole bunch of different areas that's going to come back and bite us. So if you leave, I mean, just as an example, so if you're on ag land and you've got the ag exemption, but you decide to leave a field fallow for a year or two, because sometimes you have to do that to allow the you know regeneration and everything, they're going to tax you on that at a regular rate because you're not actually using it at that exact moment? Well, what's worse if you're not using it at the exact moment that's actually deferred. Seven years of deferred. It's not tax, like a senior exemption. It's a tax break, right? You sell the right, house, nobody right. comes back and pays it back. That's not the same on agriculture, which I didn't realize that. Yeah, it, it's, it's in there. You're not exclusively using it for agriculture, right? Because it's doing nothing. It's just sitting there, even though that's the best thing to do. Because like you said, you're supposed to do that. But to think that we have an administration that will just allow things like that to happen but a lot of it's because people don't know it. They probably go to church every Sunday, not realizing how much of their tithing isn't going into helping the community, but to pay the borough who's so desperate for funds that they're now deciding what is and isn't being used. So it, what's the solution to this? The solution is an administrative solution. Is it a legislative, you know, a, a assembly solution? What, what is the, what's the easiest fix it on is. this? Well, they're saying it's legislative, which that just sucks, right? Good luck getting the legislature to, agreed 21 and 11 on anything. I think it's interpretation. So the first step is we have an ordinance coming forward to allow them to go to the board, you know, to, to, to fight their case, right? To show that they have 
in their bylaws that this land is going to be used that because right now they have to go to court. Who can afford to go to court? Right. Ask Camp Liwa, you know, how yeah. that's working for right. them. Right. You know, on that. And so that's the first step. But the second thing is, I, I don't know how we have to reinterpret it. Or personally, I just think the mayor needs to step up and say, this is not well, a proper it's, you know, interpretation. And it's crazy. Yeah. And we need to stop doing it. Because, like I said, it never was that way before. So right. why all of a sudden... That, the difference. That's the proof that it's an interpretation because it was never that way before. The new assessor came in and decided it was a whole different way. That is a that is a uh, you know a little bit of God complex going on there. I think in that regard. Um, all right, down to the last four minutes or so. Anything else that's hot and heavy that people in Fairbanks need to be paying attention to on the assembly? Obviously, that's an issue. But uh, what else we got? Well, they better get involved. I mean, this is a big election for us. It's all, it's a little election. Right. We only have it's a little election, but it's a big, council. big, you know, no mayors yeah. are running. Yeah. Big consequences. For <laughs> Nobody sure. federally is running. So, I mean, it's up to you. I mean, this is where you're going to have the biggest impact if you like the things have been changing. But I think the biggest thing on the on the budget I just wanted to bring up the revenue cap only works if everything is underneath it. Right. So for the first year in a long time, there was this phrase we used to add that would count like any offset in our savings account that we brought offset property taxes would sit outside the cap we didn't do that this year so for the first time we really will force government this next year to have to make some real cuts not the fake ones right the extra savings accounts and stuff like that legislature knows about it the assembly knows about it and so you know if you want to keep down and keep pushing down so that you can afford to keep living here then you really have to ask those hard questions to people and make sure that you have people who are going to represent you during the hard times. Well, because I will say this, it is it is hard to live in Fairbanks. It's harder to live in Fairbanks. I mean, you're really? talking about the cost of living and things like that. I mean, people would ask me when I came, you know, back to Fairbanks to visit or whatever, because I'm still in Fairbanks all the time. But they would say, "Well, you know, how do you like?" And the first thing I'd say is, "Well, in the first eight months alone, I saved five thousand dollars on utilities. Mm-hmm. Utilities, just utilities alone, not property taxes, nothing else." 5,000. I mean, that's a significant boost for anybody. I mean, you cannot, you can't afford, Fairbanks is so expensive in so many ways. You can't afford to have a government that's out of control and continuing to glom money, a glob, you know, glom onto money from you all the time. You've got to get out there and get involved. I mean, that's why, that's why I ended up on the assembly is because I felt like I got to get involved. I've got to not just talk about it on the radio. I've got to go out there and put the, you know, put the pedal to the metal and, and walk the, and walk the walk. And, uh, but it's, again, it is wearing, it is frustrating. You need to keep recycling. You need to have new people. You need to have, and, and people out there have got to support. If you don't want to run for assembly, fine, get out there, find a candidate, vote for them, you know, help them, run for them, donate money, donate time, stand in the, you know, with the, with the, with the signs, do whatever you need to do, but you've got to stay involved. Well, you got to help with the initiatives too, because that's the other thing that happens. The tax cap is at the fair this week. So if you're going to the fair, please, if you haven't signed, do it. It's hard to get those signatures. Ranked choice voting is also there, you know, trying to get rid of it. So nobody has an excuse not to be able to sign because go to the fair, pay your, you know, money to to know that you could get those things done because it is a citizen's government, even though they gave them $80,000 each, I guess maybe right. people pay themselves aren't, but right. you know, we're in charge and those initiatives do count. Yeah, no, look, uh, politics is a participatory sport. Um, you know, government is what happens to you 
when you basically do nothing and uh, you know go off of and pocket rush and do yourself. So it, government is what happens to you when you're not paying attention. We need to pay attention. We need to get involved. We need to get engaged. And you've brought up some of just some of the issues that are facing the Fairbanks North Star Borough. Some of these will be the same in other boroughs. Some of them won't. But I love to see what's uh, going on. So, Tammy Wilson, thank you so much for coming on board and joining us today. We appreciate you uh, being part of it uh, and, and sticking with us. Yep, thanks for having me. And I can't wait to hear what the others. Maybe it's time that we put more than one of us together and bounce ideas right on the radio to see what we can come up with oh it would be good uh hold the line for just a second tammy folks we are out of time for today tomorrow is firearms friday oh baby can't wait we will see you then have a great day all right tammy uh just want to give you a chance uh we're off the air but still on uh, facebook and every place else um one final, just one final bite at the apple here. Your final thoughts, uh, wrap up, you know, kind of anything else that we missed or uh, anything else you want to hit on. I'll give you the floor here for a couple of minutes for your final thoughts. Well, it's just people have to get involved, right? Because it's so hard for us when we're sitting up there and we've gotten like 200 emails, right? On something that we know good and well that the majority of people don't want. And we get five, right? From the other side. And so... Those emails and phone calls or testifying when things are happening, they really do matter. I know it doesn't feel like it, and sometimes it feels like something happens right in your face after you do it, but they will come out and testify. They will come out and vote, but we have the majority if we want it. And I guess I think that's my biggest frustration, not just on this level, but also state level is that, you know, people just need to realize they have the control Right. they decide to exercise it well it's a, it's the so, silent I mean, majority the silent right we keep hearing that the silent right. the silent majority needs to not be so silent you need to get out there and put the rubber to because the the other side the progressives they are very much the kumbaya communal it takes a village we're all willing to pull together and do something and they're very good at that and all of us on the right are more rugged individualists, don't play well with others kind of thing. And we need to put some right. of that aside and come together and keep doing what needs to be done. And they chip away at it. I mean, trails is perfect. Who knew in the 80s they had this property right that they took away from you, right? They just took your property. Nobody knew. You know, very few people knew right. about that. Right. Yet it comes up, you know, all of a sudden because people started studying and realizing what's out there. But we can't, you know, I can sit there and I can vote and do all the research, but... You know, I can't make it happen without the people being involved in it on both sides. Right. Running and then also, you know, supporting us the way they do, you know, with the phone calls and testifying and letting us know what it's like out there. It's expensive. Yeah. Like you said, it's hard up here. But I love it and wouldn't I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So well, there you go. Got to make it work, right? You're you're the diehard. You got your better person than diehard, I am at this point. It. Yeah, exactly. Tammy Wilson, uh, Borough Assemblywoman, thank you so much for coming on board. And uh, maybe we should do this every few weeks just to kind of get an update on what's going on, and we'll talk about the hot button issues. And like you said, maybe we should get a bunch of assembly members all on like a roundtable on the show. That would be a fun thing to do as well. So. I think support from others would help to know what they're doing. We may never have thought of it, so that yeah. would be awesome. No, we definitely need to, uh, you know, we definitely need to be on board together and to be working together and to stealing ideas from each other. I think that that's a, a good thing. So, all right, Tammy, well, thank you so much for coming on board. We appreciate it uh, for being part of it. Thanks for fighting the fight. Uh, we can't, uh, we can't ask for, uh, we can't ask for anything more. Thank you for being uh, on the show today. 
I had fun. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks so much. Tammy Wilson, our guest uh, here, The Michael Duke Show. All right, folks, that does it for today. Uh, we've got uh, more. Randy actually has a very good comment here. Conservatives are like dragonflies, independent. Progressives are like termites, collective destruction. <laughs> That's actually not a bad analogy. <laughs> That's not a bad analogy, Randy. Thank you so much. All right, folks. Well, that does it for me today. We will be back tomorrow. David uh, Robert will be our guest from Alaska Shooting Specialties talking about air rifles and more. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will see you then. Have a great day. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show